Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. Coming to you to, retalk, to talk about Norwich or not. Um, we have gotten the news this morning that Jurgen Klopp will leave the club at the end of the season. This was to be the Norwich pod. You'll excuse us if Norwich don't even get a mention other than me mentioning them now. I'm joined by Carl Matchett and Guy Drinkle to talk about Jürgen and to talk about the bigger picture. So, Carl, you're in a newsroom this morning and this drops. What is the reaction for yourself and what's the reaction around you? Because I'm always fascinated. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm not on holiday anymore, Dave. That's the first thing to to note. Um, The only thing that I could compare the the mechanisms, let's say, of, of being at work and the reaction on what everybody has to do and everything sort of going on all at the same time and trying to get quite a lot of things out at once that I can compare it to would be, remember the first day the Super League broke, the news about the European mm. Super League and like they, they announced it and they got that really shit GeoCities website up live and you know then there was the, the protests and the initial reaction and then people were on the streets and all that kind of stuff. That's the only thing I can say is comparable in terms of work furor, let's say. Obviously, that that, that was a, a football-wide thing. Uh, obviously, it involved people across different nations and all the rest of it. But in terms of uh, immediate workload and immediate response and how surprising it all was, that's the only real recent thing that I can think is, is kind of comparable to it. Um, I mean, my surprise, I, honestly, I thought someone was taking the piss because they would just happen to be on Twitter at that exact moment when it scrolled past, like, within seconds of it being there. Uh, and then just said, oh, Klopp's leaving. Uh, obviously, I just thought that they were just, you know, trying to annoy me or, or having a laugh because of the the particular person's tweet that they read, um, where we'd just been talking about them a moment earlier. And obviously, then it snowballed from there. And you have, like, about 10 seconds, basically, to realise that it's not a joke or, or you know, a, a fake account or anything like that basically get into action and, and plan the response. So from a work perspective, it's uh, an immediate breaking news article, obviously, which is fairly short and to the point, just the, the facts of the matter in the headline. Um, it's a relatively quick piece, which is live, and then that frames basically the, the foundation of everything else that happens. Um, 
it's not usual, obviously, in football that we have a manager announce their departure this way and with so much mm. prepared for it in terms of like there was a big video, there was lots of uh, content within that video, there was extra information about them, the, the coaches obviously was included and Klopp talking about like his health and all of that. So there were several, uh, let's say, reactionary pieces after that. So, uh, <clears throat> so one of Jürgen Klopp explaining his reasoning, obviously there was one very, very quickly about uh, potential candidates, which is something we do for every club, but is more notable when it's a big club, obviously, because there are a few managers to choose from. Um, usually people after the initial news just want to know what's next. So most of the focus then is on, you know, when could his last games be, who it is, could it be against? In this case for Liverpool, we're obviously en route for several cup finals at the moment, the way things are going. So um, then there are the, the more longer sort of feature or opinion pieces. So I think we've got a legacy one going up just as we're recording this. There'll be another Premier League wide focus on like what's it going to mean for the the wider scope of the Premier League. I have a feeling that it's, you know, something that the, the rest of the Premier League, the non-Liverpool and Man City supporting contingent of the Premier League are very quickly going to realise what we've been talking about. Like this would have been an absolute bore fest for the last six, seven years, if not for Liverpool. We know that. Mm. Man City fans probably know it more or less. But the rest of the Premier League kind of, I still feel, have taken it for granted a little bit how hard Liverpool have pushed Man City. Um, if we don't get everything absolutely spot, spot on with the transition, then that's kind of what people are going to recognise next. So I think we've got a piece going up of that. And then over the next couple of days and the, 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 past, the, past the Norwich match of the weekend, obviously there will be you know, quotes and reaction pieces from managers who come into contact with Liverpool, uh, former players obviously doing so today, all that kind of stuff. So it is a very, very quick moving process in terms of uh, the newsroom. Um, and after the actual initial breaking news piece, which is just facts, then most of the rest of the stuff is forward looking with, you know, the odd memorable piece along the way. I'm sure there will be lots today about, you know, Klopp's best moments or what Klopp changed in the Premier League or how he made Liverpool great again, all that kind of stuff. That comes as, as follow-up pieces later on. What was What's your gut feeling right now? Like, what are you feeling at the moment? Because I've seen a lot of people on social media who have basically descended into complete meltdown over this. And <laughs> it's understandable. I mean, it's a good yeah. punch without question. It is understandable, it's, but... He, he, he said that he, he told the owners in November, Carl. Why are we finding out now? Why has it been announced now? Do you think this was going to break through somebody else and the club decided to get out ahead of it? I don't honestly know because there have been a few moments even recently when we could have done it. Like the week break that we had, for example, you would have thought if it was planned in November to let's say during January or the week that we have off or 11 days or whatever it was, that's probably the time to do it, isn't it? If you'd have already decided, we'll do it then. So I think that the reasons for, are, you know, potentially down to like three or four. One is obviously what you've just said, that someone else was going to break it or they thought that they might leak it. Maybe they had to at some point obviously record this video. So, you know, it's a, a number of club staff who have to be involved below senior level. Um, and after that point, it's kind of got to be, you know, within the next couple of hours that gets released kind of thing. Otherwise, everybody knows already. The other is that uh, yeah. obviously there are further announcements to make that literally just before we've come on to record, we've got the news that Schmadka is leaving as well. 
I mean, we never actually got the news that Schmadka was staying in the end, so I'm not really sure that that's relevant, but it is notable that we're finally saying, right, this is a complete clean sweep. So it's potential that there's another announcement to be made fairly soon in terms of whether that's incoming or club structure or whatever else it is. There's got to be something that moves on. You know, the club have another reason why they might change things up and therefore you have to say, this is happening now. Uh, the other one, obviously, is that it could be Jürgen's decision. He could have just decided after the game the other day, um, that, that this is the time like, I want people to know now or I want to tell my players now or whatever it is. It could be that there is some mm. transfer discussion ongoing and that they're asking, how is Klopp going to use me next year? And we can't sign this player until basically they know. So therefore, we have to tell the rest of the world because then otherwise that player or that agent or whatever it is, is going to also be able to, to sort of leak the news as such. So there are a few reasons, maybe something else. Well, there are apparently contract but... negotiations going on now, aren't there? Yeah, of course. Yeah. There's contract negotiations apparently with, with Trent, with Mo and with a couple of others. So maybe maybe in, in light of those, that's why this has to come out now because those agents will have to be told, look, it won't be Jürgen next season. The player is signing on to play for somebody else. Uh, Guy, bringing you in here. What's your reaction, bud? Uh, feel ill. Cried a little bit. Won't lie. Um, I've not really experienced anything like this. I'm sure you would have had Kenny, wouldn't you, when you were younger? Rafa was a yeah. bit different from everyone because the club was in such a shit state. And I was 16 when he left. And we obviously had that season where we try to replace Xavi and finish seventh or whatever it was. So it wasn't exactly the saddest. And there was a mix of whether it was his time and stuff like that. You don't get that with this Jurgen Klopp news. I don't think anyone other than Jurgen thought it was the right time for him to leave, which is not understandable. We don't know what how fatigued he is or whatever. But I've not really experienced anything like this. This is probably only something a United fan could compare to when Fergie left because the other great managers, I mean, Mourinho has been sacked twice. Ven- Wenger, of course. Wenger's the other one, obviously. Um, but again, but, he But was, Arsenal he, fans yeah, were, they were, were turning against Wenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's not Fer- the same. Yeah, Fergie's the only one who's comparable because it's leaving on hopefully a positive footing. I mean, even if, if we don't win the league or... Champions League, if we finish second with two domestic cups again, it's still going to be on a positive foot. It's just the shock of it because I've never experienced anything like this. I've never had a manager like this. It's like no. I love I love Rafa, but it it just wasn't it just wasn't this. Um but no, I I've I've felt like you mentioned gut punch, like ill. Because I was walking the dog when the news broke and I was like same. Is, is that a fake Paul Joyce account? Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> it's the first time I've always wanted that extra underscore next to a Paul Joyce, and it wasn't there. And that... <laughs> <laughs> or an extra squiggle in the <laughs> yeah. profile picture. A zero rather than the yeah. other. <laughs> oh, it's a... Yeah, I, I was walking the dogs as well, and um, I was way up the lane. And there's no, there's no real phone reception up there. Like, you'll get bits and pieces. So I saw the notification pop up 
and it was just breaking bombshell Liverpool news, and it said Jurgen Klopp. And I couldn't open Twitter to see mm. what it was. So I'm rushing the dogs back down the lane. And Eddie's trying to ring me at the same time. And I can't answer because there's just no reception. So I'm not going to be able to hear anything he has to say. And I get a bit closer to the house and I open it and it's it's that. But by which time our group chat has already kicked off. And for whatever reason, uh, WhatsApp is easier to to open and get because it obviously uses less data or whatever. Magic face. So I, I'd seen it more in WhatsApp before I'd seen it on Twitter. And then obviously the video comes out, which I was home by then. And then it, it is just that kind of, wow, that's not how I was expecting today to start sort of feeling. But as Carl said, like, we get the news that Jürgen's going. Then it's Linders is leaving, Grauwitz is leaving, and Matos are leaving. So all his staff are going with them, which makes sense. You want a clean slate. You want to bring in a new manager. He's going to want to bring in his staff. And then, obviously, it comes out Jörg Schmatke is leaving. And I do wonder as well, like, just with the timing, maybe they already have the person lined up. Maybe they have the people lined up. Maybe they know exactly what direction they're going in. And that's why it's come out now that they've sort of landed on who they're going to to look to bring in or who who they've already maybe got an agreement with. Um, well, we'll circle back to that. Carl, favourite Jurgen Klopp moment off the top of your head in the near nine years since he's been here? Let's let's go positive with this. Barcelona. Let's talk about the the great things. Barcelona at home, Easy. the four yeah. nil. Yeah, it Everything is about that game. Everything about that game. The fact that we spoke about it in such detail beforehand and basically nailed a bunch of stuff that happened in the game that we knew would happen because we'd seen it in the first leg and people were overlooking that just in favour of the scoreline itself. The fact that it planned out, played out near perfect for us, the fact that they were near misses, the fact that basically every Liverpool fan knew that we could do it and actually thought that we can do it despite it being a ridiculous scoreline. The fact of how the goals went in and who scored some of those goals. And obviously the fact, obviously, is you know, big Champions League game to go to the final and all that sort of stuff. Everything about that, that that game was probably encapsulated the perfection of Klopp's Liverpool for me. Uh, obviously, there are other games which uh, actually saw us win trophies and all the rest of it, but that was the one for me which just put everything of the greatness and also the madness of what we're capable of doing late, late, late so many times mm. in matches. Jurgen, like you, you mentioned the this the city thing, right? So, city are this juggernaut built on a foundation of cheating. You don't need to say that; I'll say it for you. And we're the only club that's been able to touch them over the last seven years. The only club, Arsenal, never even laid a glove on them last year. Arsenal did a load of dancing around, and then when it came time to throw hands, Arsenal fell over and City cruise to victory. We're the only team that have pushed them. We've beaten them to the title once. We've come within a point twice. Jürgen, prior to Liverpool, was at Dortmund, obviously going up against the Goliath that is Bayern Munich. 
Jürgen is that incredible underdog who outperforms expectation. And that Barcelona game was everything Klopp. The intensity, the pressing, the desire, the never-say-die attitude. The fact that we went into that game against a team with Lionel Messi, Luis Suarez, Sergio Busquets, and, and all the rest of the star names. And we went into that game without Mohamed Salah, without Bobby Firmino, two of our best players, two of our most important attackers, in Mo, our most important attacker. We went in 3-0 down, and yet we still found a way to score four goals. And we got those four goals from Divock Origi, who 12 months previously had been written off by everybody, and by Ginny Wijnaldum. Like, Ginny Wijnaldum scoring two goals in a Champions League semi-final off the bench, when Ginny has sacrificed off the bench, coming off the bench. Andy Robertson having to go off at halftime injured, another massive player for us, going off injured. James Milner going to left back to mark Lionel Messi and Ginny Wijnaldum, <laughs> who had sacrificed all of his attacking intentions since joining the club, had completely altered his game and had the moronic part of the fan base asking, well, what does he actually do? Coming up with two goals, but nothing will ever encapsulate that night more than corner taken quickly, the Divock finish, and Divock not really knowing what to do (laughs) and running in a big weird circle before realising I've just scored the winner. It is, it's mania, it's manic, it's incredible. You can watch that game over and over and over again. You know the outcome, you know the key moments, and you're still filled with this range of emotion, this excitement, this joy, this fury at the Fabinho yellow card, which to this day pisses me off. It's That game is just incredible. And I, I said this on the Daily Red. We should just be thankful. Like, we shouldn't be... We, Yes, obviously, it's it's hard to say goodbye to somebody like Jürgen. I, I think Harinder said it in the AI group chat. It feels like we're losing a very dear friend. Because that's what Jürgen has connected with us all at that level. He's not... Rafa, we loved as a manager. Julier, we loved as a manager. Jürgen, we love as a man. And I know a lot of people who got to know Rafa personally love him as a man. But from the outside, Rafa could often come across as a little bit cold. And he's talked about that before. It's it's how he processes. Jürgen is like your uncle that you see once every six months. He's your favorite uncle and you always go for a couple of pints with him. And you have the best crack. And he's just the best guy in the world. That's what it feels like. That saying, don't be happy, don't be sad it's ending, be happy that it happened. That's what strikes me now. Like, we've had nine years, nearly nine years of this guy. He was at Mines for seven years. He was at Dortmund for seven years. He's the type of manager who gives everything all the time. If he is burnt out, it's not a surprise. 
it really isn't a surprise. The surprise is that he stayed this long. The thing to be grateful for is that we've had him and we've had him for this long. And he's delivered a European Cup and a Premier League title, one that we hadn't had in 30 years. He's delivered multiple cups. He may well deliver us a second league title, two more domestic cups, and maybe, just maybe, if the football gods smile on us, he might wipe sweep the board this year and actually win the lot by winning the Europa League. But as Guy said, look, if we finish second and we win two cups or we win three cups or even if we just win the Europa League, still a great season. It's still a reason to go out on a high. And I, I don't feel like we should all be worried about the future because to throw this back to you, Carl, I don't think this is like when Ferguson left United. I don't think it's like when Wenger left Arsenal because Jurgen hasn't had the same type of power vacuum for the length of time that either of them had at their clubs. And he's leaving behind a vastly superior squad to what they left behind. He's leaving behind a squad that probably only needs three or four additions. He's leaving behind a team littered with world-class players, which they didn't do. So if we nail the appointment and if we get the structure right, which are big ifs, but they're very possible, this doesn't need to be the end of a period of success for Liverpool. This could be Shankly leaving, Paisley taking over 2.0. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. It could be. Um, there are overlaps between all of the things that you've just said, to be honest, the Liverpool parts, the Man United parts, um, even the Arsenal parts to an extent, because there you've got Wenger, who, as you said, by the end, Arsenal fans have kind of had enough of, but also he had overseen the best challenge, let's say, without being the most dominant winner, which is kind of an overlap to Klopp against Guardiola, obviously, for different reasons, but still similarities there. Um to my mind at the minute, um, especially with Schmadka, like you say, just getting the um, confirmation that he's departing right before we come on. The most important thing now is like from basically 1st of February to, let's say, the end of April, maybe into May, a little bit at the absolute latest, Liverpool need to get in place the sporting director because to get the rest of the structure right and to get the rest of the appointments right, somebody very, 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 very good in footballing terms needs to be at this club. Now, we we didn't get it right last year with the sporting director approach. I mean, how much blame or success you want to accredit to Schmadke is kind of irrelevant in this case because 
you know, we got players with release clauses. We got players who um, we kind of identified beforehand anyway, for the most part. But in terms of short term and planning and all the rest of it, none of that is 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 sustainable for Liverpool in terms of what we want to do. But the sporting director can impact on who gets selected as head coach, the structure which goes around the head coach, and obviously the recruitment which happens in summer. So I think it's imperative that they would have been speaking to people already. You know, Schmadka's only been on, seems like it's now a succession of short-term deals over the past, what will be coming up for most of a year. Um, I would like to think that they've been speaking to people in the background anyway and seeing who they can get in the summer or before the summer. So if we are able to appoint somebody new in that position first, um, you know, sometime around, let's say, March, April, May, that would be ideal. Even if we know who we want for head coach, they should still be able to be on board and begin the planning with them. Even if that Mm. head coach person is not announced until the end of the season, if there are certain circumstances around them. Um, I'll use Alonso as the example, because obviously he's the, the biggest name right at the minute. It's feasible Alonso doesn't want anything announced if he is the person because he's in a title challenge, because he's you know in the first yeah. really big season with Leverkusen and because Liverpool and Leverkusen could play each other for one of the other trophies. Um, so it's absolutely feasible that everything has to be kept quiet on that front for a while. Even if it's not Alonso, it could be someone else in a similar situation elsewhere. Um, but the, I do the other one that comes to mind is... It, it, the other name that comes to mind is Ruben Amaram. Yeah. who's also in a title challenge at Sporting. Those are the two names. Like, there's there's others out there. You mentioned before we went live, uh, Julian Nagelsmann. I'm sure he'll get some consideration. But for me, the two that just stand out, the two that jump out to me are Xabi Alonso and Ruben Amram. And I don't think you go beyond them until both of them say no. I think they're who you focus in on. But like you said, the sporting director needs to be the first priority. And Carl, it's very obvious to me who the top candidate should be. It should be Michael Edwards. This is an opportunity to go and get the best sporting director, I believe, in world football who is currently available. He is not tied to any club. So you don't have to worry about gardening leave. You don't have to worry about buying him out of a contract. He is there. You you know you have a good working relationship with him. And now there's no reason for him not to come back. Mm. So go and get him. Go and get Ian Graham. If Julian Ward is willing to come back as well, go and get that group back together. It's a proven structure that we know works. They have a method of working that we know leads to success. You go and get them, and then you have them go and get the manager. And if it's them with Alonso or Amram, I, I mean, that that to me is is an outstanding result for us, given the circumstances. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be the whole group, you know. Plenty of them might want to do things differently or do their own things or whatever it is, and that's fine. Even Michael Edwards, like, if you get him back in, the, in a similar sort of role, but he might want to alterations to the structure, which he thinks is an improvement, which he was you know, yeah. hoping to do elsewhere. I think he but would yes. want the Mike Gordon role. I think he would want the Mike Gordon role, which means he gets that job, sporting CEO, and then maybe Julian Ward is the sporting director underneath Edwards. That, to me, is what makes sense. And I can't, I personally can't see beyond that as plan A. 
Now, there's other great candidates out there, but that to me just makes so much sense as plan A. Go and get them. They're not working now, so you've got nothing holding you back from going full bore at them. Throw whatever they want at it, whatever they want. Get them and then then focus on the manager. But it may well be that they've had two months on this, Carl. It may well be that they already have people agreed. They might already have an agreement with a sporting director. They might already have an agreement with a manager. Now, I'm sure Xabi Alonso, who's doing a press conference in the next hour or so, I'm sure he's going to be asked about it straight away. It'll probably be one of the first questions he's going to be asked. And that'll probably annoy him because the focus for him should be on Bayer Leverkusen. The focus for Leverkusen media should be on the team and how successful they've been this year. But unfortunately, he's going to be asked about it. And I would imagine he'll just bat the question away. But he he has to be one of those under strong consideration, surely. Yeah, yeah. If we're talking strong consideration, I say he's one of a very, very small group. There will be other managers who you always consider, and there will be a big, long list of managers who you keep an eye on. But for strong consideration at this point, it, it, it's a small list. I should have probably also clarified when you mentioned that we spoke about Nagelsmann earlier. I don't think any of us actually want him. I don't. I haven't actually spoken to a single Liverpool fan. No. In fact, I would say even a single fan of any of the big four in England who actually want Julian Nagelsmann at this point. And nobody has any doubts over his, you know, his, his tactical acumen, let's say, but there are other question marks over him. Um, man management maybe is one of them. And my personal opinion from watching him in, in domestic football is a tendency to muddle too much um, mm. to make things much more complicated for certain players than it needs to be. And until that is not really a part of his game, it's not really a, a management trait I, I am hugely appreciative of uh, just just because. Uh, not in every single player, not in every single tactical system, but there's just too much overall of it in the team for my liking from him. Um, yeah, I think he confuses himself by trying to Clever. I mean, maybe he certainly confuses the players. Though I don't think there's any doubt of that, especially from like half to half. We've seen evidence of it lots and lots of time. Perfectly honest, and there've been enough comments from players as well suggesting that it's a similar mm-hmm. sort of line. It's a bit frustrating to deal with, as if that's your primary job, basically. Um, but yeah, in terms of strong candidates, Amarim and Alonso as the the younger options in that list have to be the biggest of the considerations, and beyond that you are looking at a different profile of manager. You're looking at basically a different Jurgen Klopp, but not not tactically, not stylistically, not personality-wise, but in terms of um, manager arc, you are looking at a different Jurgen Klopp, whether that is you want, you know, just for the names, Allegri or Simeone, whoever it is, it's Klopp standing, Klopp age, Klopp circle of success kind of player, uh, coach who you go and get. That's Those are your only two options, I think. There are not enough genuinely outstanding young managers out there, younger, let's say, that you can have your pick of five, six of the most absolutely talented, already looking at success kind of coaches. There is only a few, uh, and certainly who are doing it off a consistency level and a playing style level, which would be probably accepted at this point by top Premier League clubs. De Zerbi, I think, is probably going to be the Premier League name let's say, uh, who is on yeah. the list. Don't really see too many others. I've 
you know, obviously there are people talking about Graham Potter and blah blah blah. None of those have any Graham Potter will be awful. No, 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 no. Graham Potter will be a horrible choice. Yes, but just aside from being a horrible choice, I just don't think managerial wise any of the other Premier League linked names have any relevance to this Liverpool job. They just don't. No. No, I, I there's five names. The, the the top two I think are, are should be Alonso and Amram. They're they're the two I'd look at right now and say you go and you get one of them. You go to Alonso. You pick whichever one you prefer. You go to him. You ask him if he says no. You go to the other. After that, like it does get a little bit murky. You mentioned Deserby. I think he'd absolutely be on the list. Now there are question marks over whether his football is sustainable. I do think his football would look much better with Van Dijk and Kanate as the centre-backs as opposed to Lewis Dunk and Jean-Paul Van Hecke. So there's that. That would be that would immediately help him in what he wants to do. And we have many of the other pieces that he likes to have in his team. You mentioned the older names. You mentioned Simeone. I, I would, Allegri for me just would be a no. I know he's having a good season with, with Juventus, but by God, the football is dull. Allegri would be a, would be a firm no for me. Simeone, you know I love. I would take Diego Simeone in a heartbeat. If I could pick a manager, it would be him. The issue with him is I don't know how well he would work in what we're talking about in terms of a structure. Because he at Atleti has sort of done what Jürgen has done and kind of pushed away a lot of the structure and consolidated his own power base. And I, I actually just don't think he will leave Atletico Madrid. I also don't think he'd want to come to England because he doesn't speak English fluently. And he's had some issues with the English media in the past. And he hasn't been overly complimentary when he's talked about you and your pals. The other two names that just come to mind, and it's largely because they're out of work, but they're also they're proven winners. One is Antonio Conte, who the last time we saw was failing at Spurs. And you were very uncomplimentary about the job he was doing there, despite securing top four in his first season. He's obviously won a league title in England with Chelsea, and that still does carry a lot of weight. He won three titles with with Juve. They carry weight. His European performance, though, would count against him. I wouldn't imagine FSG want to sign up for the Antonio Conte experience because he is known to be difficult to work with. The other one is Hansi Flick, who obviously did not do well as manager of the German national team, but did an exceptional job with Bayern in winning a treble. Outside of that group, I I just don't know where you'd look. I, I I don't see how you would look beyond Alonso... Amarin, and if you get a no from both of them, then you go to Brighton for Deserby. I think the older guys, Flick would be, I, I think Flick would be interesting. Conte would be too much trouble. I don't think Simeone would take it. I think it is, it's a short list of three because I don't think we're missing anybody here. You look through the, the managers in England and like you said, Deserby really is the only one. Like even if you look at our rivals, like, obviously, Pep is, is a non-starter. You wouldn't want Mikel Arteta. You wouldn't want Eric Ten Hag. 
I would love Ange, but he's not going to leave Spurs after a year. So there isn't another manager in the Premier You're certainly not, not going to want Eddie Howe. There isn't another manager in the Premier League other than De Zerbi who realistically you could see as a fit. You go up and down through the French League. I mean, you're, you're not going to take any of them. You're not going to take anyone from Italy right now, I don't think. Simone and Zaghi, I'm sure his name will pop up at some point. I wouldn't be a massive fan of what he's become as a manager. I quite liked him at Lazio. I, I haven't enjoyed his Inter Milan spell. Again, you look at Spain, maybe there's one or two. The only other one in the Premier League whose name I'd throw out, but it would be a very kind of very quick. Yeah, he's doing a really good job. He's very promising, but it's he's not ready. Would be Andoni Irola. Aside from him, like I, I think we have kind of zeroed in on the three that should be the top three. Jabi, Amram, and Deserbi. Guy, is there anyone else you'd be looking at? Or what would what would you suggest in terms of those three managers? Would you have an order of preference on them? Um I'm not a big watcher of foreign football because I, I just need Burnley and Luton in my life. Um but there's certain things that put me off to Zerby, namely playing James Milner out of Milana in 2024, which kind of scares me. But I suppose that's probably a clock quality because he did it in 2023 with one of them, so there's similarities there. What kind of puts me off Zabby? and it's nothing to do with his managerial thing, is he will be linked with Real Madrid every single day he is our manager, and it will get annoying very quickly, and it, inevitably he will join Real Madrid. That would kind of scare me a bit. Uh, I don't know enough about Ruben Amorin. Obviously, I know you both of you have championed him for years now. Uh, if you just look at the cold, hard job he's done, there is similarities there. I mean, Sporting is the third biggest team in, in, in Portugal. We're obviously the sec- second biggest team, but we are fighting an uphill battle against Man City. Even maybe even Arsenal, who've spent a bajillion pound in the last um, two years, three years. So there is somewhat similarities there. So I feel like I'd be all right with all any of the three of them, but the doubts about De Zerbi, I'd love to see the style of play with the, with the better players, as you mentioned, like, Ebu and Van Dijk, I don't know what the hell. Like, imagine Trent as the g- gross role where he just plays any role. That would very much be intriguing. Um, other names, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, Thomas Frank gets linked because the job he's done at Brentford is really good, but it's a mm-hmm. it's too big a jump, I think. But it wouldn't surprise me if, name, if his name does get a mention. Um, he's also got that Klopp sort of he gets incredible buy-in from his players. So he does have that kind of similar type of personality to reach his players. But like you said, it's an enormous jump. Like it's a massive jump from any of these clubs. Like Sporting is a big club, but they're not Liverpool. Leverkusen, what are they realistically? The fifth or sixth biggest club in in Germany. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously from Brighton to Liverpool will be a huge jump as well. But at least with De Zerbi, he has managed at Shakhtar, which is the second kind of biggest club in, in Ukraine. So he's dealt with big expectation there. Not on the same level, but there's that. 
it, it like it is it, whichever one of them. There's no guaranteed. Like when we got Jurgen, you knew it was going to work. Mm-hmm. You knew Jurgen Klopp was going to work. Of the three we're talking about, I would be most confident in in Ruben Amram working because I've seen it work. Because I've seen him win a league title, and I see him now going for a second league title. Alonso hasn't won anything yet. And Alonso has only actually been a a senior manager for a year and a bit at this point. Mm-hmm. Like he was the B team manager at Sociedad. He's only been at Leverkusen just over a year. It's a very small sample size you're working with. And I know Ruben Amram, it's a small sample size as well. You're only looking at four years of management. But he's already won a league title. And that to me carries a lot of weight. If you can win a league title as an underdog, which is what Jürgen made his bones doing with, with Leverkusen. I mean, that does stand to to something. Did um, Amarin, what was Amarin's job before sporting? Because didn't he do well before sporting as well? So similarly, he was at Braga. to Klopp. Yeah, he was at Braga, but he was only there. He was the caretaker manager. Um, No, sorry. He was the B team manager for like four months. And he managed 11 games, won eight, drew one and lost one. Sorry, drew two and lost one. Then he took the first team job on the 23rd of December, 2019. He managed 13 games. He won 10, drew one and lost two. And then Sporting paid a large sum of money to buy him out of his contract at Braga. And since joining Sporting, he's played, he's managed 181 games and they've won 131 of them with 28 draws, only 30 defeats. So, like, you're looking at someone that has a 70% win rate across 213 matches. That's not nothing. Carl, would you have a preference between the three? Is there is there anyone else that springs to mind that you think would be an interesting candidate or is somebody worth consideration? So, from my perspective, to Zerbi... I have more curiosity about him rather than a desire to see him at Liverpool, if you know what I mean. I don't think I put him in the same category. I do really, really like him, but I don't think that I quite want him at Liverpool. The one I would have been considering, at least as you know, we will expect to see him involved, if not for taking another job in a particular place, is Marcelo Gallardo. Because he was doing so well at River, he, you know, several title fights, Copa Libertadores finals, blah blah blah. But Gallardo moving to Saudi Arabia as his next choice after that kind of success was just bizarre all year round. Um, the only other one at the minute who you know the, the similar sort of profile or tread, if you like, is Martin De Michaelis. But that's just I've, I've nothing to say about it whatsoever. I've, don't know if I've seen more than about two matches of his, um, and you just don't come straight out of River Plate and go to Liverpool as manager if it's your you know your first couple of jobs sort of thing. That's just not a path to tread. So unless, I, I mean, unless the only other thing that I can think is that Liverpool don't go for the next manager who's going to be here six years. That's the only thing that I can think might make it different from an Amarim Alonso. If we basically think so much change here and Klopp is so big that there's no point bringing in that kind of manager, that kind of fairly inexperienced manager who's going for the first big job, 
we need someone who's been at a big job who can do two years and then we can either move on or, or sack or whatever. It's not got to be the perfect appointment this time around. They might take that approach to it. Someone if, who can handle the big names, someone who can... Guy, get, get, get an article ready on the website. Ma- match it calls for Mourinho. I want yeah. that as the headline. Match <laughs> yeah. it calls no, for no, 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 no. I, I was going to say, I mean, you'd kind of describe... Not not Spurs Conte, but if you could get Chelsea first year Conte, it is apart from maybe the back three, we'd probably have to buy a centre back. But we have to buy a centre back anyway, and obviously bring Ashley Young and all the old lads too. Um, what is, <laughs> it, it does it does kind like if we want not the last dregs because that's too harsh, but if we want to just succeed whilst we've got Salah, whilst we've got Van Dijk. Conte for two years and then the implosion and then we get a Zabi if he's still at Leverkusen or an Amarin who'd probably still be at Sporting. It, it's probably not the maddest idea, but I don't think it's an FSG idea. Hi everyone. This month the channel is supporting a local charity based in Edinburgh called Steps to Hope. Steps to Hope helps support people who are experiencing homelessness and addiction. The founder of the charity, Richard Roncero, is currently doing a Sleep Rough campaign where he is sleeping rough on the streets in eight different cities for eight weeks. Please like, share and follow the Facebook page and if you can, donate. Thank you. You bring in Conte, you only actually need to sign one starter because he will rinse the absolute last bit of sweat out of Andy Robertson. So you're looking at Ibu, Virgil and new left-footed centre-back but you could probably get away with Joe Gomez if if you really needed to. But ideally, new left-footed centre-back. Then you go Trent right-wing back, Robbo left-wing back. You go Dominic, Alexis and Curtis as a as a Conte midfield three. That will work. And then you put Darwin and Mo up front. And that would work. And I think that team would go very, very close to the title. And he is a great a great manager. And, and Carol might have a point. Maybe that's what they decide to do. But I just don't think it is. I don't think they'll go that way. I think they will go younger. I think they'll want someone that is buying into a long-term picture. And I wasn't expecting Carl to throw out the name Marcelo Gallardo because, again, I, I don't know that we'd look at South America for a manager, given we don't look at it for players. But for me, if we were to to do a global search, then there is a third name who I would put above De Zerbi, right on the same level as Ruben Amram and Jabi Alonso. And that's Abel Ferreira of Palmieres, who's been there since 2020, has won two Brazilian Serie A titles and two Copa Libertadores. He, to me, he went back to back in the, in the Copa Libertadores. He's gone back to back in, the, in Brazilian Serie A. He, to me, is the best manager I've seen in South America in a long time. Prior to that, he did a pretty good job at PAOK Athens. Prior to that, he did a really good job with Braga. I would put him right on the level with Amarim and with with Alonso. I might even put him above Alonso because he's more experienced and he's a proven winner. But he'd be the other one that I'd have if, 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 because I, I, Carl's right. I mean, Gallardo did 
an outstanding job with River Plate. And I don't for the life of me understand how every club in Europe looked at that and thought, Anno will go a different direction and allowed him to end up with fucking Al Etihad. How has that happened? Like, I know he only signed the year and a half contract. It's probably very easy to get him out of that. But if we're looking outside of Europe and we're looking outside the main leagues, for me, Abel Ferreira, the guy has done an incredible job with Palmieri's. And he has developed some of the most exciting young players in the world. We're, we're going to see Hendrik come to Europe in a couple of years. He has been, the, the way he has developed under Ferreira, you look at Danilo at Forest, you look at Estevao and how he's developing. Like this guy has done a phenomenal job with Palmieri's. And I, I think he if we are going to cast a wider net, absolutely deserves strong consideration because he's done a phenomenal job there. And that's a, a big club, but not, not the biggest club in Brazil. He's had his, had to work under budget, budget restrictions, which he'll have at Liverpool. He's had his best players sold out from under him on multiple occasions. And yet he just continues to win Copa, Copa, League title, league title, that as a four-year run just doesn't happen in South American football. So I'm going to throw his name in the ring. The only um, deciding factor here, I think, is going to have to be if we can do a player plus manager deal. So do you want Alonso and Verts, Or do you want Amarim? We'll have to choose carefully here. Diamande would probably be the obvious one, the centre back. See the Diamande or um, Body, isn't it? Ponton Bastoni. Let's go. I, I, I assume you don't want Seb Coates back anyway. No. Inacio no. is the only other one. <laughs> yeah. And then if you're looking at. If you're looking at. At Ferreira, the one to the player to bring in then would be Estevan. Is Zerbi and Jason Steele? Ah. <laughs> Jason Steele, Adam Lalana, Danny Welbeck, and James Milner. Bring the lads in. Um, if, he, if he brings in Seesaw, De Zerbi and Enciso or Deserbi and Astupinen, I mean. I personally I, I would I would go if if it's player plus manager plus player I would probably go Ferreira and Esteva. As much as I love Florian Verts, I just don't I'm not sure how that works. I mean you could go actually no, I've no idea how that were how that would work. I don't know where he would fit into what we have now. As brilliant as he is. In the way Alonso plays, which is often a three-four-two-one, I would assume. Actually, let's 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 have that conversation quickly then. So, if it's does if it's Alonso and he wants to play the three-four-two-one, Darwin is the nine. Mo and Dominic seem to make the most sense as the two behind. Then Trent, Alexis, Curtis. Robbo as a three. So 
you, you'd want a new left wing back. And then Ibu, Virgil, and a left-footed centre-back. And he could bring Hincapié with him. So that would be good. If it's Amram, he he also plays a similar enough shape. Most often does play that 3-4-2-1. So again, it's, it's a similar type of setup. So he could bring Inacio with him to fit on that left side. So you're looking for, again, a left wing back. Maybe his former student, Nuno Mendes, wants out of PSG. If it's De Zerbi, it's 4-2-3-1. So Trent, Ibu, Virgil, new left back. Estupinen would be ideal. I think he would want a more dis- destructive type of midfielder next to Alexis. Then Dominic is the 10, Mo right. I think he'd want a new left winger as well. He could bring he could bring um Matoma. So we'll take a stupid in the Matoma and Darwin up front. And then Ferreira tends to play 4-2-3-1 as well. So again, it's a similar type of makeup. Carl, you've pushed back against the back three many times. Many, many times. So if you want a back four, it has to be De Zerbi or Ferreira. Yeah, Alonso did quite a lot of back four in the first season there with Leverkusen. Yeah. Before yeah, but he didn't win anything. So. No, but he's unbeaten. He hasn't lost yeah. to the back three. No, but like I think I think Alonso the thing, like, is the manager who has the most versatility out of the the three that we're showing so far. Deserby's system might hmm. be more flexible, but I think that's within the structure of his original setup. That's the playing structure is flexible, whereas I think Alonso is probably the most starting formation flexible. Let's say, and it might not be any of these three anyway. They just do feel like the initial prime candidates. They do. They do. I, I'm kind of talking myself into Abel Ferreira now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you look beyond... I don't think you look beyond Alonso. If you're just going to focus in on Europe, you don't look beyond Alonso and Amarim. De Zerbi is your kind of your fallback option. Because I, I do think De Zerbi would take it. I think any of them would take it personally. I don't I don't see a situation in which Amarum turns it down. The only situation I think Alonso would turn it down is he might look at it and say, I'd I'd rather get some more time under my under myself. I, I'd rather have a bit more experience before I jump to that level of club. But I don't I don't see Xabi as the type that's ever lacked in confidence in his own ability. There's no bad choice here. If we, if it's the Zerbi, there's, there's definitely wrinkles that need to be ironed out, but we, we will play the best football any of us have ever seen a Liverpool team play. He plays, I think, the best brand of football in Europe. Um, Alonso, obviously, there's so many positives to it, but like I said, you could be on the clock that, he will constantly be linked to Real. And at some point, I would imagine he would want to go and manage Real. Amram, Amram I could see staying long-term. You know, he's the, he's the one I could see bedding in for eight, nine, ten years and seeing it as his destination. He's the youngest of them as well. He's only 38 years of age, Ruben Amram. Alonso's 42. 
De Zerbi is 44 and Abel Ferrer is 45. You could get you could get Amram for seven years and he'd still be the same age as Ruben, as uh, Abel Ferreira is now. There's no wrong answer here. There are other wrong answers. Like Julian Nagelsmann, I think, would be the wrong answer. I think if we land on him, that's problematic. I, I think there's an immaturity to his management style. That's he's, I don't think he's ready for a big club. I, I, I think his, he, his biggest mistake was leaving Leipzig the way he did. I think had he stayed there and continued to develop and continued to work, I think he'd have been much better off. I kind of feel like he's damaged goods now. I haven't been hugely impressed by what he's done with the national team. I don't think anybody was impressed by what he did with with Bayern. I've sort of got a, a level of of, of four. Um, right, last last thoughts on this, Carl. Last words. Um, Liverpool three, Norwich nil. Yeah, it seems a good place to end. Guy, last thoughts? Um, It's probably the wrong time, but Klopp did make me fall back in love with football because we were shit for a very long time before him. Like 2009 to 2015 was a fucking dark time as a Liverpool fan. Mm -hmm. We had one good season. Yeah, yeah, that's it. We had one good season that time. So, yeah, thank you, Jurgen. That is the overriding thing here, isn't it? Be thankful that it's happened. Be thankful that we had this guy for nine years. If he's decided it's time for him to move on, you have to respect that decision. We've had him for much longer than any of us, any of us expected to. He's given us longer than he gave Mines, which was his club, then he gave Dortmund, where he is still to this day a god among men. He's given us more years. So, yeah. Thanks, Jürgen. Right, folks. We will leave it there. We will have lots and lots of reaction, lots and lots of commentary on this today, tomorrow, over the coming weeks. I'd imagine this is the first of a series of, of big breaking news for Liverpool Football Club over the next few weeks. I'd be surprised if by the end of February we don't have a sporting director, at, if not in place, appointed to join in the summer. It, it may not become public, but I'd imagine people will know. And I'd imagine they'll have kind of zeroed in on who they want as manager as well. So, Carl, back to work. I'm sure you've got a hectic day ahead. Guy, I know you've got a hectic day ahead. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, 
we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.